Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag college football. The Ute again. We're back to, uh, is he on horseback? Does he have a bow and arrow? Did he trade for a rifle? I mean, you know, because if that Ute's got a rifle, there's some definite problems. You know, you'd have to get one of those Harry Potter activists to read up on how you kill a sun devil because there's a lot of uh, outside stuff there. Just as far as a beast alone, a buffalo's going to be pretty hard to tangle with. I mean, a, bu- a buffalo's utterly outstanding. The Kugel find a way. Uh, clear-minded and crafty, a combination of stay out of harm's way and, and attack when you get your uh, your chances or your openings. Mike Leach taking part of his media availability to discuss mascot battles in the Pac-12. It's fairly random. Yeah, it was a couple days ago. Uh, it's only cute when you're winning, and he is winning, so you can get away with it. But, but that seemed pretty uh, <laughs> pretty off the wall. Uh, yeah, it depends on what you know what's available at Washington State. Like Kyle comes Monday for about 15 minutes, and then on Tuesdays it's about less than five minutes because he's got to go. So if he were to talk about that stuff, that would be uh, wait a second. A big here. old waste of time. Yeah, it'd basically it'd be like you didn't have any, didn't take any questions at all. Yeah. When you're talking for 15 minutes one day, and I, uh, Yach, did you send me everything yesterday? Because I was about two minutes. Kyle? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was there. Yeah, it was two. I wasn't even five. No. It was, well, he, he legitimately, Tuesdays, he's got to go, so he has like yeah. two, three so minutes. So he goes first. Yeah. Then, he's, then he always apologizes for having to go. Got to go, guys. Bye. And then Ludwig uh, did his thing. Uh, I like more of Leech on topics that are real. As opposed to goofing around. Well, yeah. So he, someone asked him, must have been about the, you know, the California thing and paying the kids and the likeness and all that stuff. And Tebow made news about it last week, and then all the ex jocks crack, cracked on him. And Leach was saying, well, California has problems keeping their streets clean. So I'd prefer stuff like that. That's that's a real issue, rather than which mascot is going to be able to slay the other. <laughs> The Stanford tree, and he went on and on. Big game this weekend. Number three, Georgia, and number seven, Notre Dame, which pay 600 bucks to go to a football game. The average ticket price is 611 bucks to see that game. Well, two things. It depends on if I had the money. And, you know, for a lot, that's a real issue. They, they just simply they're can't afford it. So, I mean, it's a real-life deal right, yeah. to where $600 might as well be 60000 to some folks. Uh, is it a life dream? Is it a one-time shot? Those types of things. But probably not. I, I probably would not do that. Yeah, I probably wouldn't do that either. There's three games matching top 25 teams, ranked teams. Uh, 11th-ranked Michigan and 13th-ranked Wisconsin. The average price there is 184 So 611 bucks is, I don't know, what is that, triple? More than triple the, uh, the get-in price. So. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. 
Well, the news broke late in uh, later in our show yesterday, but Daniel Jones is going to be the starting quarterback for the Giants. They announced they are benching Eli Manning. They're off to an 0-2 start. They're already down two games and a division loss to the Cowboys. It looks like that division's all about the Cowboys and the Eagles. So on to the future, PK. Not going to try and dig out of that 0-2 hole with a 38-year-old quarterback. Bring in the high draft pick. Well, let's see what he can do because obviously he's going to struggle early. They all do. So get that struggle out of the way if you're not going anywhere. And if you're Shermer, you set it up for the next guy who takes over your spot that he's ready to go then. And Clay Travis this morning on the way in before us is discussing and already is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer. My guess is he will be. I get the discussion because I think it's a, it can be a close call, but I think when you win two Super Bowls and you're a quarterback, especially if you do it in New York, you're getting in. Well, the way I view it, not necessarily that, but your popularity, if I know your mother's name, you belong in. And I know Olivia. So he's getting, Archie and Olivia. So he's getting in for uh Well, they have to Archie have some type of fame. Yeah. People say notoriety, but notoriety is actually... The root word is notorious, so that's Which means name. bad. Yeah. It's bad. Very so you, bad. You don't want... You don't want notoriety. That's... Yeah. You, you're Al Capone. Dana Carvey you're, thing there. You're but, John uh, Dillon. Uh, so, yeah. If I know your mother's name, Olivia, so, yeah, she should get in. Or if I know your wife's name, like Deanna for Brett Favre, Barbara for Steve uh, Young, who else? Uh... Kurt Warner's wife's name. Brenda? Brenda, there you go. I knew it was yeah. on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> so I'll send her to the Hall of Fame, but you can't. You don't remember her name. He's already in. <laughs> Every year in San Diego, there's a columnist who writes, Don Coriel should get in. This is, this is horrendous. And you don't know Don Coriel's wife's name. So he doesn't get in. Frank no, Kush's no, no, wife's name. You don't, I don't have to know the name. But if I'm you saying, do, if I do oh, okay, I then there is. It's in. not a deal breaker, but it is a deal maker. Yeah. Okay. The quarterback uh, injury news uh, across town from the Giants. You got the Jets with Sam Darnold diagnosed with mono. He's targeting week five for his return. Jets and Eagles. So Luke Falk, the Logan High guy, Washington State. It's a couple-week window for him to play there, get a little experience. Right. Now, I think he'll do great, and his wife, Hannah, is going to be very happy. Hannah? <laughs> you just made that up, didn't you? Teacher Hall of Famer now. <laughs> Picked a name that might apply to her about her age. She's taking something that was popular for that, that generation. Well, I do have a thing I always say with uh, my wife. I said when she would come home and tell me about students, I'd say, oh, is, is she named Maddie or Allie? <laughs> a lot of Maddies and Allies going through <laughs> the Mrs. old classroom. See, like every kid is either Maddie or Allie. <laughs> Thinking of my daughter has a friend, na- friend named Maddie. Check. <laughs> yes. Maddie and Allie. Yes, there's an Allie also. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Both in elementary school. Yeah. Uh, in a video chat with his Instagram followers, Chargers running back Melvin Gordon said he's, quote, going to play somewhere this season. There would be another quote here. A waste of talent. If he did not, he's holding out for more money. The Chargers said, never mind, we'll negotiate with you after the, at the end of the season. They gave him permission to go uh, try to set up a trade, but so far nothing's happened. So he's sitting on the sideline. They were 12-4 and last year. He said, last year was good, but nobody cared. 
talking about the fans in L.A. And now he's sitting on the sideline, and I don't know if anybody cares about that either. But he's not what, getting paid. What are you doing? I mean, you're playing for the fans? I mean, that sounds good. But well, it sounds like he wants the money. You're playing to make money, aren't you? He's at the end of his rookie deal, and so he's making like $5.5 million, and he wants a long-term deal with big money. And Who don't? Yeah. But they can hit him with the franchise tag and keep him for a couple more years, so he's kind of in a tough spot right there. Mm, I bleed for him. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Bobby Dibbler, the longtime WAC Mountain West and Dibbler, WAC Mountain West and Pac-12 coordinator of basketball officials, has been named the 2019 Naismith Men's College Official of the Year for his contributions to basketball. Is that the guy we heard through the wall? You know that, Bobby. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, ah, that's too bad. I thought we were pausing there for Yacht to play. Bobby Dibler has been around. I've been doing this. I came to the market in 93. And he was here then? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah so so he, he wasn't just here. He was established then. Was he still reffing or was he in management type? I think role? he's been in management. Yeah. So you see him sitting at games uh, observing the officials. I mean, he's... He, it seems like he's everywhere. I don't know how he does it. And yeah, tr- a very tragic tragedy. And that's the Chris Hill one when... Chris was upset and, and yeah. he's on the post-game call and you can hear him through the wall while Larry Kostowiak's having his post-game press You know that, Bobby. Yes, that's... Yeah. Bobby is this this man. But there's tragedy in his family, right? Big time. Big time. Major, major. He lived in El Paso and uh, his daughter... Mm-hmm. I think it was a boyfriend, some type of domestic abuse there that claimed the lives of his Bobby's wife and daughter. Brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can look That's that up. Horrible. I know. It's just. A, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had a memory that you told me that. That. Out of control, and they all know it. You know that, Bobby. That's yeah. awesome. That is Bobby. So he he's he's a legend. People wouldn't know about him in the public, but he deserves that college official of the year award. Yeah, I mean he's Not been doing this about for, officials forever. A lot, but yeah, and yeah, and so he is always around. Tony Bennett, head coach of Virginia basketball, turning down a pay raise, extends his contract for another year. Cavs announced the extension, and Bennett asked for the money to be used to pay his staff more and for improvements to both his program as well as other Virginia athletic teams. I have more than enough, and if there are ways that this can help out the athletic department, the other programs and coaches by not tying up so much in men's basketball, that's my desire. That ought to make it more popular around the athletic department. You know, that and winning. Winning does help. Yeah, he won it all. What's that kid uh, who transferred from the U of A to BYU? Barcelo? Alex Barcelo. Looking yeah. more and more likely he may be getting that waiver. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Uh, so that would be good news for the Cougars on him if they get that waiver. I think they should allow a one-time transfer. You just go. Just go. Like any other college student. Yeah. And you're gone. Yeah. Just, it has to be in the off season. You know, I don't want kids in December. In mid-season, right, 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 yeah. But I, 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 and they used to, I don't know if they still do it, but they did that for 
uh, the lesser sports, the lesser profile sports. Uh, you didn't a have lot to of sit one, out? Right. You could, yeah. There's only five sports yeah. you actually have to sit out at. Yeah. And so you get a one-shot deal. Now, if you did it two, three times, it's another story. Uh, but I think they should allow in the opportunities for kids, because coaches obviously can do it without sitting out, and they get, they're under contract. And I'm gone. Yeah, I mean, in some cases, in several cases, they just recently signed the contract. The contract barely is not even dry. Does Alfred still yeah. have the record? I was like, Steve Alford, come on. Alfred is, yeah, was signed a 10-year 10 10 years and was and, gone and 10 days later or something like that. Sure, Mexico to uh, Westwood, for sure. So I think that they should, that's one of the things I would like to see, that you get a one-time transfer, and it doesn't matter. They, and they cannot restrict you. If you want to go to... Inside the conference? Yeah. Inside the conference. Wherever. Yeah. Wherever you want to go. You should be able to go. That one, And you don't have to sit out. Sometimes it might be in the, your best interest to sit out. Huh. And, but that's if that's what you choose, right. that's fine too. Right. Uh, but Let I don't, another player use that last senior year of eligibility so you can slide into the starting role. Yeah, whatever you know, it like, might be. Yeah, I, Jacob Eason's doing it up there at yeah. uh, Washington this year. Jake Browning was the quarterback last year, and that was his transfer year for Eason, and now he's ready to go, and he's playing this year. We'll see him here in Provo, and then this weekend, and then the Utes go up there in November. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. 3-1, Yastrzemski hits a high drive center field. Jackie Bradley going back, looking up. It's gone. And you can only imagine what's going through the head of Mike Yastrzemski and his whole family. He has homered at Fenway Park. And just about everybody is standing up for Mike Yastrzemski. Wow. Carl Yastrzemski's grandson homers in the in Fenway, the park he played in for years. Won a triple crown. I think it was 1960s. Just a Red Sox legend. And now his grandson playing for the Giants. They go to Fenway, and he homers. It was a 15-inning game that lasted just a shade under six hours. Tied a Major League Baseball record, 24 pitchers pitched in that. Giants end up winning 7-6. Mathematically, the Red Sox are still alive for the wild card, but realistically, they're out of it. Well, yeah, Yaz is old now, so he he left to go to bed. That's got to be a real cool deal. I mean, I can't even To have a grandson in your old stomping grounds? Yeah, and you were a legend, you know. If you knew anything about the Red Sox, you just... And the nickname, Yaz. Yaz. I mean, come on. Yaz. (laughs) That's one of the cooler abbreviated last names to be called Yaz. Nobody ever called him. I never knew his name for... It was a little young when he was doing his thing, but, you know, you get to learn the legends of the game, and you always knew about Yaz. And now his son, or his grandson who was kind of a middling player. He wasn't much, and the Giants brought him up this year. At, I think he's like 28 20, years old. I was going to guess 27, but yeah. yeah. He's in his yeah. late 20s. He's a rookie. I mean, yeah. this is way late in his career. But yeah. in a bizarro year for the Giants, he's kind of found a niche, and he's played quite a bit. He has played, yeah. I went up there, uh, saw a couple of games this year, and saw him play. And to be able to hit that home run, and you know, it's, just, it's a meaningless game for both teams at this point. And it was a special moment. The crowd was going nuts. Bochi was on the top deck with a wild uh, step with a big smile. And everybody knew what it meant. And I think that was Bochi's 1,999th win. Oh, really? I think so. Sitting yeah. there right at the brink of 2,000, huh? Yeah, and he's already he's long since announced his retirement. So yeah. he's got another 10 days before he's going to shuffle off. And I don't know if you're a manager. Do you have to wait the five years to get in the Hall of Fame? I don't know the rule on that. Yeah. Because certainly with three World Series, he should be in. Yeah. Easy. Easy decision for that. Yeah. 
National League Central race tightened up a little bit. The division-leading Cardinals got beat by the Nationals 6-2. And the second-place Cubs stayed two games back. Their five-game win streak is over. The Reds beat them 4-2. But look at the third-place Brewers. No longer the third-place Brewers. They beat the Padres 3-1. They pick up a game on both of them. So they're tied with the Cubs for the last wild card. And they are two games behind the Cardinals. Shades of last year for the Cubs, maybe. They might end up in a playoff game to get into the wild card game, to get into a divisional series. Last year, there were four teams tied for the two wild cards. Possibly, sure, yeah. Yeah. And now we're sitting here a couple weeks out, and they're tied for the last wild card spot again. Kevin Biggio joins his father, Craig Biggio, second father-son duo to hit for the cycle. Jays win 8-5. He tripled in the ninth inning, PK, to get there. Clutch triple. (laughs) Clutch triple. Again, two teams not going anywhere, playing out the string, the Blue Jays and the Orioles. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. Mike Petke wants all the money on his contract. He's suing RSL. They offered him a settlement. I think it was less than 20% of the money left on his contract that they were willing to 11%. offer. 11%. 11% it was? It was like 75000 He wants 7700 I should say. Yeah. yeah. He had a year and, I don't know, a couple months left on his deal. So they offered him pennies on the dollar, and he wants it all. Now, you said you saw a national story, and I'm in it. I did not know about this. What happened? Well, they were quoting his, his attorneys, and he's got a few of them there. And it said that uh, one of the things was that they, Deloitte was defaming him and all that type of stuff. And they said in an interview with KUTV, and they linked it. There it is. And then there you are. Interviewing the RSL owner, Deloy Hansen. And they didn't like that. They didn't like his responses. So they included that. So you're right in the middle. There it is. This reminds me of uh, those two high schools where we went back inside. It was a real fight. It was a water fight. It was a food uh, fight. I want to say it was Bingham and Hunter. I'm pretty sure it was Bingham. I think it was Hunter, too. Whatever. Yeah? It was a long time ago now. And we had to go back inside? Back inside. (laughs) I'm disgusted I was called back as I'm on my way to Utah State for a story. Called back to host this thing on the noon show. Great. Just where you just. You were literally called to do this thing. I was. Yeah. Mike Peck, you didn't want to do an interview. Well, I assume you asked. I did. Yeah. Called him, texted him. Of course. Told him, we're talking to talking to Deloy, want to offer you the opportunity. Well, Although we'd all already heard that he was there was gonna be legal proceedings and he didn't want to be on the record. I haven't spoken to him, but I've heard he's moved back to New Jersey. I haven't seen him. I haven't heard that from him, but we always go back. Back to Jersey, baby. You always go back to the homeland. Heard the timing worked out great. He did not sell the property back there. He had that had a house and they had renters and it came open. Right? Just boom. There he went. Went back, got the kid back in school. I think one of his kids is staying in the academy here, ironically. Still in the in the system. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener. Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up this morning... 
We got Life of Riley every Wednesday. Riley Nelson's here at 730. Riley Jensen's here at 805, talking college football. So stay with us. We'll talk with the BYU football radio analyst next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. New Mexico football coach Bob Davey expects to return to the sideline September 28th when the Lobos face Liberty University. He's been out since being hospitalized briefly after the team's season opener. Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Deshaun Jackson has an abdominal strain that's expected to sideline him for two weeks, according to reports. One doctor recommended surgery, which would have shelved the 32-year-old for about six weeks. But Jackson wants to return to action as soon as possible, so he opted against it. Major League Baseball, Pittsburgh Pirates star closer Felipe Vasquez was arrested Tuesday in Pittsburgh and is being charged with multiple felonies in both Pennsylvania and Florida, including statutory sexual assault involving a 15-year-old girl in Florida. Vasquez allegedly had a relationship with a girl that began when she was 13. He was denied bail yesterday after prosecutors told the judge they expected to file more charges against him. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond Airport Parking has fantastic rates, free car washes, 24-7 shuttle services, detail, oil changes, and glass repair while you're away. Diamond Airport with the best rewards program in Utah. It's the only airport valet service in Utah. Park, ride, and save just off I-80 and Redwood Road. That's Diamond Airport Parking. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. There were a lot of players who had really good moments in that game. You know, Wilson was a stud. Tyson Williams is coming into form. But to me, I was blown away by the overall dominating nature of Kairos Tonga in that game. Like, he was a man among boys. And you take a four- or five-star center, and he was getting walked in that backfield time and time again. I hope somebody in Legends Hall has a horse tenderloin on the grill for Mr. Tonga because he earned it. <laughs> what is this, Mr. Chef? This is the third day of the week. <laughs> well, this is shredded horse. Yesterday was horse roast. Yeah, but I wasn't real sure about the horse brisket. Well, tomorrow we're having horse rump, so get used to it. Kairos likes it. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ, PK, and Riley Nelson join us. BYU football radio analyst former quarterback. He's on the Sprint special guest line. Lisa any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Good morning, DJ PK. How y'all feeling today? Great, man. <laughs> Just absolutely fantastic. How could you not be? We were one of the 10,000 that stormed the field on Saturday, Riley. Good. I'm assuming neither of you suffer from claustrophobia. No. I've of a couple of games where, where that happens. And that's, uh, it's exciting at first, and then the stress sets in. You're like, am I ever going to get out of this sweaty pile of human bodies? You know, we were all thinking, even you, you know, they can get out of here with two and two. They got a shot at eight wins. Well, man, here they are already. Let's go for three and one. Yeah, no question. I think, and I think they got a shot. I mean, I was as I was watching some Washington film, especially the Cal game, and Cal's got an excellent defense. I was thinking back on on this defense for BYU, and it's one that yeah, Utah got thirty, but twenty of those points were gifted to them by the offense, uh, by BYU's offense, and then they held Tennessee, you know, to the teams in regulation, and a USC team that was high-flying and being touted for their offense. And by the way, I, I still think they have a good offense. I think BYU 
benefited from some fortunate timing, getting a getting a true freshman and only a second start, and the first time he was really facing any kind of complex zone looks. Um, but still, they held you know they held a USC a high flying USC defense or offense uh, to minimal points, and and so whenever you got. Uh, anyway, I see a lot of similarities between the Cal deep, what Cal, you know, was able to do to Washington, and I think some opportunities if BYU comes out, plays well, and executes what they could do to Washington. And then we know the offense has done enough. So with the defense limiting them, we know the offense has done enough to stay in games and stay competitive, and they've been able to be clutch down the stretch. So anytime that's kind of your model for wins, you've got a shot. So I'm, I'm curious because it seems to me that there's a couple different issues here. Uh, USC obviously had an issue with turnovers. Now, for Washington, it seems like the issue isn't so much turnovers, but it does seem like the Washington offense, even though they switched quarterbacks, has a problem that they had a year ago settling for too many field goals. If they had finished drives with touchdowns against Colorado, you know, if, 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 I know. But I think they would have won the game pretty easily. They moved the ball, but they kicked four field goals. Do you think BYU can get Washington to bog down in the red zone? Because you can't blow teams out kicking field goals. That'll keep the game close, if nothing else. Yeah, I do think, I, and I felt this way, um, it's an interesting strategy. It's not, it's not very sexy, and it's not very like headline grabbing. But Coach Tuyaki's strategy since he's been at BYU has been one of, of essentially like bend, don't break. We're going to put in, we're going to go in, and we're going to play the best defense that gives uh, against our opponent that gives them the most fits, and uh, and that's going to require them to sustain drives and to be excellent in the red zone. And so, and those are two very. Uh, as you look across the landscape of college football, and you look within any game, uh, eight, ten play, twelve play drives that end in touchdowns are not very common. And that's kind of what BYU's defense is architected to force the to force the opponent to do. So, with that being the case, and with Washington being one who struggles to capitalize on on opportunities in the red zone with touchdowns. Again, it's another, similar to how I said it lined up pretty well for BYU, that they were playing a freshman QB for USC, never really seen, you know, drop eight zone coverage. Uh, I think the same kind of matchup lines up here where you've got a BYU defense that's going to bend and not break and, and probably is happy to give up a field goal as long as they can keep you out of the, out of the end zone. I want you to evaluate Grimes and A-Rod's play calling. It seems to me, and you would know more and better than I would, that their creativity at the right time has been really good. Oh, no question. Uh, you know, I'm going to cite a source and give some credit where credit credit's due. Uh, Ryan Rossillo podcast, he had Trent Dilfer on last Friday. And Dilfer was talking about uh, different offensive philosophies throughout the NFL and they kind of got centered on the Patriots, for, I think, for obvious reasons. But what, one of the comments that he made is the Patriots, a lot of people try and establish an offensive identity, right? That's been an axiom for a long time in football. Or are we a power run team? Are we a air raid team? Do we spread it out? Are we an RPO? Are we a zone run team? Are all these things. And Dilfer made the comment that the Patriots, made their offensive identity one of execution. And that's why, because their identity and execution, that's what allows them from week to week to go from Brady throwing 404 touchdowns to lining up, and this was a couple years ago, but back when they had LeGarrette Blunt lining up with a 240-pound tailback in the back and throwing two and three tight end sets out there and just road grading you. And I see, 
Obviously, I'm not comparing this BYU offense to the Patriots, but I see a similar philosophy kind of at play because that game plan against USC was one that was tailor-made, not necessarily to BYU's strengths, but the play calling and the game plan going into the game was one that took advantage of places where USC had weaknesses. Case in point, in the red zone, on that on that draw where Zach Wilson ran it in for a touchdown, uh, that they had got that look. They had seen that look on film in the red zone where USC kept two safeties high. They were basically playing two man under. So they line a, a running back up in the backfield. They motion him out to make sure that it's man coverage. And if and when they do motion the running back out of the backfield and go to empty, the middle linebacker vacated the box, leaving five offensive linemen against four defensive linemen and two safeties with their heels at 14 yards down the field. And so that's why the running man was tremendously wide open. Obviously, Zach Wilson uh, is a tremendous athlete and was good enough to navigate his way through the secondary and for a touchdown. But that was a call that was so timely and, and so perfect that, yeah, like you kind of set, started off this question with, you got to give a lot of credit to the Grimes and Roderick for their game plan coming in and their ability to use the right calls at the right times throughout the game. Everybody loves trick plays and big plays, but they come in a lot of different flavors. I thought some of the trick plays they chose to use weren't so much uh, tricky, bizarro, gimmicky, uh, but it was more using your weakness or your strength against you. You know your greatest strength is your weakness and all that. When they run on the opening touchdown drive, when Tyson... Uh, Tyson Williams uh, fakes the reverse. It's like it's still a solid play. You have your best running back carrying the ball. It's not gimmicky. But at the same time, using that motion with a really athletic defense, those guys just overreact and the whole side of the field opens up for them. Uh, when, you were, when you were playing and running those plays, did you ever have that feeling about different stuff you practice? Like this is a little gimmicky and this is rock solid? Yeah, well, one of the things Grimes has has shown to me over the years to be as a great self scouter. If you know, if you remember in the Tennessee overtime, one of the things that set up their game winning touchdown was so they it was overtime, so they were in the red zone and they ran the end around to eleven defoe. Well, this time they give the same action, um, and that was because. So the, the reason why that end around was timely is because they were starting to wear him down. Tyson was starting to rip off chunks, and they knew they were going to get over pursuit. So it was the perfect opportunity. Um, to give the end around to Hefo against Tennessee. Well, now this, they, you know USC's watched that. You know that they've scouted that, okay, we got to watch for the end around. When they get in the red zone, we got to watch for the end around out of this formation. And so Grimes comes out, gives the end around action, has Tyson just hauled out the ball there for everyone to see. It freezes everyone, and he's able to come around. So to me, that's, that's not even really a gimmick or a trick play. That's the same as... It's a play action, but rather than a play action pass, it's a play action run in that you're giving them a look that you've run previously. You hope that it reacts or freezes to them, and then you take advantage of their of their reaction to seeing to a look that they've prepared for. And I thought that another great thing that they that they um, debuted in this game against USC out of that trips formation, they ran a lot of mesh concept. They pretty much only ran run plays, and that, and so they line up in that same mesh concept. And they started running quick toss, and they had some pretty good success with both Williams and Asupa out of the quick toss. So that Grimes and Roderick and the, and the entire staff and give credit to the players for executing, but they're doing a great job. And this this term kind of got like a buzzword a couple years ago, but being multiple, 
I think that was one of those Gruden terms that got popular when he was on ESPN. But out of the same look, they're able to execute a bunch of different plays, and it's turning out really well for them. When you have a game like that, and it seemed to me that when everybody was pouring out on the field, it was not just in the moment. It was releasing frustration of all the things for BYU because they haven't been on top here after being on top for so long. So there's all this emotion spent, and I imagine this week on campus, people are patting them on the back and everything, and they're feeling good. How do you turn around just seven days later and play a team that I could very much argue is a lot better than the one you just beat and everybody celebrated like crazy yeah that's a that's a great question you really have to have um a short memory we use that term a lot for like quarterbacks and throwing picks and stuff you got yeah it's, you have to have a short memory for the mistakes that you make but you also have to have a short memory for your successes because your successes they can uh you, you can kind of get drunk off your own successes and it takes a lot of maturity and it takes a lot of leadership i think uh with this with this team, with their core being so young, I think this is a great opportunity for them. It's like, okay, most people expected us to be like 1-3 or even 0-4. So we've beaten expectations. We, so are we just okay with, you know, barely kind of exceeding people's expectations or barely doing the unexpected? Or do we want to blow people's expectations out of the water? Do we really want to prove a lot of our doubters wrong and do what well, – well, very few people thought we were going to be 2-2. Two and two. There were some that did, but no one was saying we were going to come out of this first month three and one. So how motivated are we? How dedicated are we? How willing are we to put the successes behind to leave those in the past and treat this week like a brand new week, like we still have something to prove um, and, and go out and and do what is really unexpected. And so that that's still, well, like I said, this is an exciting opportunity for this team. I think we learned a, a lot about them last week. I think we'll learn even more about him this week. And again, I think Washington is a very good and formidable opponent. Um, uh, even if even if if it's a close game, the ball maybe doesn't bounce BYU's way. That'll still prove to me the medal of this team that they're mature and they can handle the challenges from week to week. But if they come out and lay an egg, then we know like okay, they got you know high off their own success and and uh, they still have quite a bit of maturing to do. What do you think Chris Peterson is thinking as he watches the film of BYU's last two wins? He's looking for weaknesses. He's looking for somewhere he can attack. What do you think he sees? What do you think he plans? Uh, offensively, I think he's looking at that three-man front and, and thinking, we, look, we're not going to make the same mistakes as USC and continue to try and throw the ball over the middle against five and six hundred eight defenders and give them three picks. We are going to do what what USC failed to do. We're going to do what Tennessee did for most of the second half but gave up on. Tennessee was ripping off chunks, but they, but twice they got into big third downs late in the game and they decided to, well, one time, they, rather than running at the teeth where they were getting the chunks, they did a fly sweep that got, that got stifled. And then the other time they decided to throw on a third and four. And, of course, USC ended the game by uh, on a third and four when they probably would have been better off on the ball. I think Chris Peterson is one who shamed Look, we're not going to get tempted by that same thing. It may be tough sledding. They're good. They've shown to be they've shown to be solid with that three-man defensive front, but I'm sure we can, if we just keep pounding with the sledgehammer, we can break through it and, and do it. So that's what I think he's thinking offensively. And then defensively, I think 
he's looked at these last two weeks and he's like, all right, BYU's faced heavy, heavy doses of, of man coverage, not only two weeks, but three weeks, because the entire second half against Utah was man coverage as well. And it's obvious that BYU has adjusted. They've gotten more and more productive offensively from each week, essentially against the same scheme. So I think he's coming in and saying, look, Zach Wilson's got plenty of, of reps against man coverage. We're going to mix it up on him. Nobody's really brought any unique pressures. He hasn't seen much zone blitzing, um, which is something that Chris Peterson, at least from playing against him at his time in Boise, was incredibly good at. You were you were always leery of a tackle or an end dropping into a coverage unexpectedly. Sometimes even the opposite end from the short side coming all the way across um, to the wide side of the field to like pick up a, a crossing route or something like that. And so to get so that's kind of what I think he's going to do. Stick with the run on offense and on defense. Really mix up the look because BYU's gotten heavy, heavy straight up man looks, and I expect to see some more zone and some exotic blitzes. Riley, we appreciate a few minutes as always, and uh, enjoy the game. I guess it's probably been pretty fun for you the last couple of weeks. Enjoy the game this week. Okay, and uh, stay safe out there if we storm the field again this week, huh? Okay, <laughs> okay got it. <laughs> PK's out there with yeah. a right, helmet on. Thanks, Riley. I told you the sports information director, Brett Pine, got a cut on his face in the, in the moment. Stitches? No, 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 no. No, not that no, big. No. He didn't know he was bleeding, and, and Kalani had to say, man, you got blood in your face. Because <laughs> he has to be right there, basically, He's usually with the coach. escort to center like, midfield, where, and then right. they do the post-game, the post-game exactly. on-field on interview. Right. That's that person's job. Here's to, the sideline reporter. Yeah. Here's their name. Yeah, that so kind they're of stuff, always right, right behind them. Yeah. They can't escape the big mosh. You, you, can't, you can't go two weeks in a row. I'll give you all the passes you want for last week. Because last week, I think it was more than just beating SC. It's like something good has happened to our football team now. At home. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. And it just hasn't happened the way it used to happen all the time. Or at least enough of the times to where it wasn't a big deal. And so here, if they win in overtime, they shouldn't storm the field? Not this time, though. Really? Yeah. <laughs> i got to tell you, I usually agree with you on stuff like this. I'd probably you gotta be, act like you've been there now. Exactly, you've done it once. <laughs> yeah, <You can't. laughs> no. I, I'm with, I'm with no. Riley. I don't really buy the 0-4, and maybe not. I mean, I'm not down on campus. There probably were people running around thinking they'd be 0-4. You and I never thought that one and three or two and two. But three I was and one. Hoping for two and two. I, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. I was thinking history you, shows one and three, at least one, because they don't rarely got to toss away two years ago. Throw that year out. Right. But they rarely lose all of these big games. They right. win some of them all the time. Right. But, but the point is, at no point was I really willing to go out on the three and one limb. Three and, and one? No. Jeez. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. If they did three and one and it was overtime again, uh, and like, go crazy, folks. Not this one. No, <laughs> not this one. Are you serious? I'm with you. You can no. make the argument Kate. Washington's better than USC. Yeah, but Washington's ranked 22nd. They're 24th ranked. Yes. Yeah. You can't do it two weeks in a row. That lessens last week because there's no frustration. See, my point is, last week they were doing it more than just beating SC. Yeah, I agree. Well, now you've already released that frustration. Now, if you storm the field, it wouldn't be for 
anything but in the moment, which I guess I'm fairly okay with. But yeah. I think last week was more about nine losses to Utah, all these things, the Utes being picked to the Rose Bowl. Although, you know, Riley said that Utah's uh, defense was gifted 20 points. He just said that. <laughs> you take away those 20 points, and what do you got? I mean, come on, let's call you, it like it is. You got different play calling by the no, Utes. No, come in the on. You, half. Come on, let's call it like it is. <laughs> you got different play calling by the Utes in the second half. You got. Uh, they're not running to kill Take the game. away the 20 points, like he says. <laughs> all right. Cheer all you want, but stay off the field this week. I, I guess I'd just say you go crazy because... Yeah, you when have don't go crazy on, on the field. When have they beaten three Power 5 teams three weeks in a row? And if you throw out the third thing, they're crazy enough that it would be overtime again. Quadruple off overtime. Off the charts. No, not this week. All right, well, they got to win it first before you can worry about that. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll talk Utes, Cougars, and Aggies with him. Everybody's got big games this week. Riley's on the way in about 15 minutes. And, and I got great news you, coming up. Really? Yeah. I'm the king. Do I have to have bad news in? Can I deliver some? I've got weird news. No, this really? is. Really? This is. All right, well, stay is, tuned, this folks. This is great news. There is news on the way. PK's delivering happiness. Stick around. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Join Scotty and Hands Monday from noon to 3 at My Hearing Center in Sandy, 8941 South, 700 East, Suite 204. All right, you promised good news or great news. Where do you want to file this? Well, out? for me, it's it's outstanding news. All right, what do you got? Because I always thought I was a freak, but now I find out I'm not. My wife went to listen to some clinical psychologist last night. Had all the degrees that you need, whatever, mm-hmm. and you know it was an uplifting message. And this woman was saying that studies have shown that people. We all have our thoughts, and 70% of our thoughts are negative. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Sweet. (laughs) I'm normal. So there's a difference you voice? I'm normal. You voice more than negativity? Well, first of all, I would have thought it was like, you know, 93 to 95% coming from my perspective, and then I find it's only 70%. Well, wait so, a minute. Maybe you are 95% and the average person 70%. No? Nah, no, 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 no. Don't, no, no. don't ruin it. Don't, oh, ruin, don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. Okay, it. Don't my ruin bad. It. <laughs> Sorry. Me logicing everything I'm out. I'm normal. I feel great today. <clears throat> All my negative thoughts, they're no different than anybody else. We all are 70% negative. That's great news for me. I finally fit in after all these years. <laughs> And here I thought I was an outcast, a maggot. <laughs> that's, that's uh, if you're just joining us, that's referenced earlier in the week when PK shared that someone tweeted that at him. Yeah. A cut rate hack who's a maggot. And now I find out, no, I'm just normal. 70% of us or 70% of our thoughts are negative. 
That may be what I start responding to people on Twitter with. There's a lot of neg- negativity on Twitter. PK's informing you, a clinical psychologist told his wife that 70% of all thoughts are negative. So right. Twitter, just letting out the inner you. Right. This is a great world we live in. You try to hold it back, I guess. Is that what the psychologist says? That people try to hold it back in their uh, outward expressions, either verbally or whatever? They try to present this positive smile. I don't have 70% negative thoughts. Look at the smile on my face. <laughs> I'm 100% positive on TV. Yeah, as I said, there's no way from You can't go on TV and let six. out 70% of your negative thoughts. From 5 Nobody's to 6 and 10 that. to 10.30, those people are not negative. Oh, no. 10, 10 to 10.35, you let out 70% negative vibes? No. But if you have to bring negative news, you, you, you frown and you give a real stern look on your face. But do not end the A block with it. There will be kittens and little yeah. little baby furry chicks. So 70% of our thoughts are negative. Woo. I finally, finally feel okay. <laughs> because I have we'll been have made out up. to be such a freak all we'll this time. To, see, maybe how many, what percentage of your negative thoughts you verbalize, whereas other people hold them in. Wear the mask. And you just, uh, well, in the words of Lennon McCartney, you just let it be. Yeah, but... I even get ripped for just showing up. Fact. What's wrong with you today? <laughs> and I don't even say anything. Your posture. Yeah. <laughs> Which legitimately, that was like year two or year three of this radio show. His posture. So I'm normal. This is great news. Hey, Yock. You had weird news. Yes. Well, you shared it before the break. The people in their car are about to you know, get a get out of the car, go into work. They want to know. I just learned that Mountain View High School apparently has a live mascot. They're the Bruins, aren't they? They are the Bruins. So they're going to have what? They're going to have a live bear at games now? There is a bear on the loose in Orem, Utah right now. Oh, really? Downtown Orm, Utah. Now, downtown Orm, Utah sounds weird, but there's a bear on Center Street and State Street in Orem up a tree that crews are trying to remove. There it is. A bear. Yikes. An actual bear. Whew. That's what's trending right now. Mm-hmm. All right, when we come back, uh, Riley Jensen, who's all about the positive thoughts, the positive affirmation, the positive visualization. Visualize your goals. We'll run that 70% negativity by him, see what he has to say. We'll get to that next. Plus, we'll talk Utes, Cougars, Aggies. Everybody's got big games this week. We'll get to that next, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.